The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change, your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Pikala. Hello, I'm Thomas Doherty. And I am Panu Pikala. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, our podcast. This is an international podcast. I'm in the U.S. and Panu's in Finland, my morning and Panu's evening. And um, this is the show for people around the globe who are thinking and feeling deeply about the personal side of climate change and the climate emergency, and in particular, their emotional responses and their feelings. Much of the discourse we see is often about the facts and the information and the data and the policies, which are highly highly important but we are making time here to talk about the emotion the emotional piece what we feel and today dear listeners we are going to talk about ecological guilt everything you wanted to know about ecological guilt what what is this and how does it work and how do we understand it and i totally understand if someone wants to turn the uh, podcast off and uh you know, maybe listen to something else, but I, I would ask you to stick with us and, and talk about this because we we have wrestled with this in various from various directions, and it's a very interesting topic, and we're going to talk about it from different angles, from our, our various expertise and what we're seeing in the world and our colleagues and what's happening in the world for others and for ourselves. So, Panu, do you want to talk about a range of things and then dive into one and maybe talk about some of the recent research you've been doing. Where, where, where do you want to start? Perhaps starting with a simple question, what is guilt? Uh, mm. And I might ask you all listeners also to just take a moment and think about that. How do I understand the word guilt? And of course, in various languages, the connotations might be di different. And in my work with environmental matters, I've noticed varieties of guilt for a very long time. And then at some point I realized just how different people's images about guilt are. I realized that when talking about ecological guilt, some people instantly think of very strong guilt. You know, that mm. kind of thing that when you are a kid, and you notice that you've done done something wrong and you fear that your parents will find out and this might also very closely lead to shame. But that's not what the scholars of ecological guilt are only about. Hmm. So there may be very strong feelings, but there may also be this quite uh, everyday glimpses of disturbance when we are making things and making choices which we know that are not perfect 
for ecological matters, but that then again our lives are so complex in contemporary societies that it's often very difficult to strive for any purity in, in matters. Mm. So that's what I want to start with, this broad range of what we are talking about here. So not just the most intense feelings of guilt, but also these fleeting disturbances we feel, and also crediting Tim Jensen, who's an author who has done great work around ecological guilt. Mm. But how about you, Thomas? Uh, when, when did you start thinking about ecological guilt more, and what sort of variations of it do you have in mind when you hear the word ecological guilt? Yeah, Pana, thanks. I mean, it's really interesting. It's, um, it's even though, I mean, listeners Pano, we should know that Pano and I do talk about this stuff, and we've already sort of had a pre-conversation about this, but even as Panu speaks, I'm understanding more about where he's coming from, because when I when I heard you talk about variations of guilt, I thought you meant guilt about different things or different kind of feelings, but I, I, I see that you mean variations in just this, the intensity uh, and awareness of guilt. So I can have like really lightweight guilt or really mundane guilt or like serious, like shameful in front of the whole community, feeling terrible kind of guilt, you know? Okay. So yes, part of, um, as with all emotions, we're emotional beings. We can't, we cannot be alive and not have emotions and, and our unique feelings. And, um, so you're suggesting that, you know, this, this environmental, stuff is really challenging us to just know a little bit make friends with guilt as a thing and how it manifests in different ways so it could be really little it could be really mundane and i think that's that's helpful i don't often think about it that way and maybe listeners don't either just these these different it's like turning up the volume a lot of times the volume is really low like a one and then every once in a while um if we see a bad news story or or we really are in touch with our carbon impacts that we're doing um then the the guilt um the guilt meter turns on louder where i live in the u.s we use electricity for power and i'm trying to use more of that and get off fossil fuels and doing making strides in in my lifestyle but you know my electric company sends me a a notice every month with my bill and it tells me what i'm using for electricity you know where my electricity is going and it's helpful to know that i'm increasing the electric use you know, in some areas that I want to, like having, you know, more of my cooking through electric versus gas. Um, but I see that a big part of my electric use is always on appliances. They're just these appliances that are always on. And it makes me feel guilty that I'm just, you know, having these, these power sources just sitting around my home that are just sucking energy all the time, not, not really doing anything. So that's, that's a, that's a, that's to me, that's a, that's a mundane, like, day-to-day place where I might have some eco guilt and I'm not entirely sure what to do about that because all these appliances so I don't even know what all they all they are you know if you have your leave your computer plugged in of course it's sucking power or you know your any a number of appliances have little indicator lights that are always blinking um Mm -hmm. so yeah so there's a volume level uh on our on our guilt and then I know you've talked about some of these these traps, these pair, these double binds, flip side kind of things. What, what do you what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's related to the sort of plasticity of of guilt. You know, you can feel guilt for something that you have done, but you can also feel guilt for something you haven't done. 
So, for example, uh, <laughs> yeah. you get the feeling that I should have done something based on some values, and then you get some kind of guilt for not not do, doing so. And of course, our feelings of guilt, uh, when evaluated from an ethical perspective or from a psychological well-being perspective, there's, you know, more constructive forms of guilt and less constructive forms of guilt. And I think this is very important in relation to environmental matters, because it's quite, quite complicated questions that who should be feeling what kind of guilt and in, in what levels, in what situations. And it's quite easy for people uh, to feel either too much or too little. That's my observation of a very broad one. Mm. I meet a lot of uh, people with strong environmental identities. That's a concept we have often talked about mm-hmm. in this podcast, and especially you, Thomas. And for those people, uh, a pressing psychological issue often is that they tend to feel quite often and quite heavily ecological guilt. Yeah. But then for some other people, especially if they don't see good ways forward from ecological guilt, if they don't see options where they could act uh, in, in a more ecological way, people may distance themselves from these feelings and sometimes use numbing and trying not to care about it so, so much. And that's another complicated issue that may, may happen. So coming to your question, uh, the power dynamics in our societies around ecological guilt are also highly important because there are forces which are trying either to get us feel more ecological guilt or less ecological guilt. So that's something I think is very important. Yeah. Well, that's really helpful too. I mean, um, I was looking up just guilt definitions and, you know, it's always helpful to remind ourselves what is the definition of a word. And guilt is seen as the response of being responsible for something that happened. I am guilty of it. But it's guilt, guilt can also be a feeling of being responsible for something, right? Even if I, I might feel guilty in, 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 a, in a, maybe inappropriate, like I, maybe it wasn't really my fault, but I still feel guilty because I feel like I contribute, it contributed to it. So um, uh, yes, and then shame is the public side of that, like how it looks to be seen, you know, guilt is private. That's the, that's the insidiousness about guilt as well. Like all, a lot of these trouble, a lot of the troubling eco emotions, they're stay there. They isolate us and we feel it privately. It's our private suffering. And so listeners, I just want to validate that if you have private suffering about these issues, you're perfectly normal. Unfortunately, um, it's, it's, you don't have an eco disorder. It's just life because so many of us are privately suffering in so many ways through all this stuff. Um, so yes. And then that, you bring up the power thing and that's why I'm always wary of, of the eco guilt, um, story because I don't really want to normalize it in a sense of just, just sort of saying, well, everybody, you, you know, you should all feel guilty and feel, feel bad. Like you say, um, different, people feel different levels of it. And I know some listeners who are environmental advocates or activists are saying, okay, how how do I use this now? How do I make those people that don't have enough guilt? How do I turn up their volume? And how, you know, yeah, because they need to change. And unfortunately, some environmental groups don't think about the the human casualties. So they don't really care about maybe how to turn down the volume uh, of the people that are have it over over much. Um, Because again, one of the power structures is 
environmental movement who really sees eco guilt as a lever to make societal change and it, it, it and it it is a kind of lever we just have to be really careful about that um so yeah so so guilt becomes this kind of lever that people want to want to they want to be able to get their hands on those knobs those volume knobs a little bit um mm -hmm. so yeah that's yeah that's a very very important observation you're making Thomas, I think, and our previous guest Sarah Chakvet Ray, yes, and discusses yeah. this on also in, her, for example, in her book Field Guide to Climate Anxiety, uh, where she sees the problems around ecological guilt being so heavy that she actually advocates ditching guilt, mm -hmm. and to a certain point, I totally agree. But then, of course, for people who have resources and power, including me, for example, even though I'm not rich in any standards in, in Finnish society, and guilt as a responsibility, I see that it has its role. But that must be combined with this caution around overly strong burdens, especially because they are some power structures and trying to do so. And that's something that also Tim Jensen in his uh, book Ecologies of Guilt in Environmental Rhetorics criticizes and shows interesting examples of how some companies have used psychology in efforts uh, to share the responsibility more to individuals and citizens. One of the more insidious ones was British Petroleum after the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, developing a public relations campaign, reminding people that, you know, we all are using oil in some way. For example, we are driving cars and then there's mm -hmm. the plastic thing. So they were very intentionally trying to distribute responsibility and guilt uh, to citizens and individuals and trying to divert attention away from the very serious protocol mistakes that they were making, which enabled that terrible accident on, on the Gulf of Me Mexico. So this is one example of how insidious the dynamics around ecological guilt can sometimes be. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, you know, again, in academic or therapy circles, we talk about like having a, a critical consciousness about something versus being unconscious or uncritical. And the critical consciousness just simply means I understand there's all context here of power and things that are happening. And this is, this is all, none of this, none of this happens by accident. Obviously we have marketers that want to turn down people's eco angst, um, eco guilt. So they'll buy more products and not, and don't worry about plastics and don't worry about fossil fuel and it's inevitable and we need this and it's in the u.s it's kind of you know it's a national value to be a consumer and to use these things and so people use you know all these sort of these these kind of um thinking ways um yeah so we we do exist it, there's unfortunately a kind of a culture war going on around these these feelings and we're you know individuals are trapped in the middle and part of the whole Kind of ecological awakening that people have as they start to realize this and they start to take control you know so ultimately we, we, we want to be in control of our feelings and really feel the feelings that are genuine for us and have build a capacity and the ability to hold those and not just be you know uh, manipulated by by things and so yes carbon footprint is a real thing like we can think about our use of energy and we should that's ethical, um, but it has also been used 
as a kind of a diversion, like the blaming the public. Um, and so we, we, we have to not accept that piece. You know, this is really about structural change because um, we didn't choose what's in our products. We don't choose all the plastic we get. We don't, we don't have power over the fuel standards or what, avail, what even vehicles are available for us to purchase if we can purchase a vehicle. Um, so Yeah, indeed. indeed. And uh, after all, reasonable guilt is based on caring. You know, if you care about some something, then if there's a presumed violation or not fulfilling your responsibility, then you feel feel guilt and fundamentally is based on care. Of course, there's many examples where people may may get feelings of guilt for wrong reasons, but still, the fundamental foundation stands, I think. And this is linked with the concept of double bind that you Thomas mentioned very briefly earlier, and which I have been talking about in our pre-conversations. That's also something that Jensen is applying to ecological guilt, this old concept by Gregory Bates on double bind, which means that people are offered a solution which ends up perpetuating the problem. And so for ecological guilt, the most easily available option is buying environmentally friendly products and then uh, people get some alleviation for the guilt but because the problems are structural the individual choices alone can't change society Uh, that doesn't mean they wouldn't be important but they can't do the whole thing so that's why Jensen is applying double bind here because it binds people tend to experiencing again guilt because the problems are not going away even though people genuinely wanted to do something to solve the problems by doing these individual choices. Yeah, it really stinks, Pano. I mean, we're stuck in these binds uh, all the time and that one is that marketing bind that there, there'll be a product that will save us which is the whole start of a lot of this problem in the first place. So yes, yeah, so we, want, we want to really honor our feelings of guilt that they are normal and healthy and we want to be careful of these shadow sides another shadow side of course is that this is some sort of um we assume that everyone has eco guilt but that might be an assumption based on our privilege or our placement because we have the uh, oddly enough the luxury to feel guilty uh whereas others might might just be working on their survival and so that's been a critique of you know, Sarah, our, our our previous guest, has talked about this in her work as well. You know, that's been a critique that the you know eco guilt is a white is a white upper class upper upper middle class phenomenon, and it ignores you know African Americans, people of color, you know social movements around the world, the global South, where people have been working on social change, and they don't they don't have the luxury of feeling guilty. They're they're still they're trying to take action and so it it kind of obscures a lot of people's experience if we just assume everyone has eco guilt that's kind of a a, that's kind of a a a faulty assumption so we want to we want to think about that side too Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so that's a hugely important point and maybe related to complex dynamics in the industrialized world about so-called colonial guilt uh, you, you know this these feeling feelings related to what the societies have been doing in history and partly still are doing and then that may become joined with the ecological is, issues type of thing so that it can lead to quite 
quite a lot of complications and sometimes also then efforts to uh, among the privileged people also to distance themselves from, from from guilt and it also comes back to a very fundamental theme in our podcast which is that people in various contexts should have the right uh, and encouragement to use emotion words which they think are suitable for what they are feeling so no 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 hegemony here of trying to de- define a universalizing vocabulary that everybody should use but instead um, paying respect to contextual matters and also different la- languages and it's also highly interesting that generally in relation to guilt various languages and cultures have much differences so that's also fa- fascinating that the basic conceptions in a culture about guilt and shame may be quite quite different yeah and so that's that's another interesting thing about you know the idea of emotions that some of them are are relatively universal across different cultures and others are quite unique and then different cultures you know you talked about Jennifer uh, Achendo, I think, the Nigerian researcher talking about folks in other countries. I mean, so um, it, this isn't just, you know, um, limited to people in Europe and US and Canada and the UK. I mean, there are people around the world who have some privilege and have some standing and are aware of their carbon footprints in all, all cultures and all countries. Thinking about how this plays out in each nation based on the nation's history, colonialism being either a, a colonizer or a, or a colonized, that's a whole another piece to this that is, you know, makes it more, more unique to each listener where, where they're placed. Um, in, in addition to the, to the knobs and where we turn up and turn down these, 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 these feelings you hinted at, um, other kinds of related feelings. So, we hurt where we care. If we're guilty, it's because we have value, something that we know is being threatened. So that, you know, that other image for emotions is it's like a train. It's like I, I, I might pick one car of the train and say, I'm feeling this, but there are many other emotions that are part of this train that I probably felt in advance of feeling the guilt. So listeners, you know, you're not going to feel guilty unless you have other feelings first, like care like threat, like responsibility, like love, you know, you know, so there are a lot of positive feelings hidden inside guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's profoundly put, put Thomas, I think, and uh, for eco emotions, sadness is very often intertwined with, with guilt also. So when we see, see news about environmental damage, for example, it often evokes both some kind of sadness and some kind of guilt for in, in many people, for, for example. So that's one, one example of how different emotions need attention. We have been hinted at shame a couple of times, and just to clarify, of course, there's various ways to define these concepts, but quite often the differentiation is made so that shame is more related to what we perceive ourselves to be more essentially and guilt more related to our actions or inactions and also there might be ecological shame and climate shame for example if it gets to the level that we think that we are deficient 
uh, in, in relation to ecological issues and climate issues. And the so-called species shame may be quite paralyzing if, if we think that humanity is just flawed. Uh, and, and so that's, that may be quite quite dam damaging for any motivation to do repair but not in all cases uh, some some people have fleshed out all those constructive possibilities in shame which are more difficult to achieve but they may happen for example if you have a group which makes the evaluation that we have been acting in a way which is at least partly shameful. And then as a group, they decide that, hey, uh, we want to be honorful again, and that's why we will do this and that. So they engage in changing their behavior in some sort of reparation also, doing things in a, in a new way. And this I see, for example, in the Finnish climate organization called Climate Grandmothers. So they haven't succumbed into any climate shame, but they have made the evaluation that, hey, hmm, uh, actually, people of all ages should make different value choices, and then they are moving moving forward. Yeah, so gratitude comes in. I'm guilty, but I'm also thankful for what I've had, and I want to share. There's a, there's a sense of... Um, not sure what the emotion is that's associated with that urge to want to share what you have, but I know that that must, there must be an emotion word for that in many languages. The sense of sharing abundance, um, wanting wanting to have uh, the greater good, um, to thinking about the greater good. So again, with all of these emotions, there there you can think of it as either a train of emotions or you know the out the, you know the it's like the outward emotion is like the flower, but like there's roots to the emotion, you know, that have all these other feelings. And so that gets into this idea when I'm working with, with people who are coping as about emotional regulation, right? We can, we can kind of move with different feelings and really kind of regulate our emotions a little bit. So we're not just suffering and powerless. Uh, and then I think toward the end here, we, we, we got to get to the action piece because we've hinted at that too. And what is the link between eco guilt and taking action? As, as you're saying, we have to be careful there because, the, you know, you shared, uh, and I learned about a book today with talking with Pano, this uh, uh, Sammy, Sammy Grover's uh, book, um, We Are All Climate Hypocrites Now, right? So it's this book, Embracing Our Limitations Can Unlock a Powerful Movement, you know? It's essentially getting past this uh, climate hostage, um, carbon footprint, uh, guilt dilemma and saying, yes, we all are embedded and let's move forward. Let's get past that and let's take action. So so the, the zeitgeist is moving forward on this. Like we're, we're always moving forward on this. But what does it mean when we say, you know, a lot of people are saying that the antidote to eco-anxiety is taking action. So that's a that's like that's also part of the zeitgeist now too. And you hear it in all these news stories. Take action, you'll feel better. But it isn't that simple. Uh, and that's another way where people are trying to get a hold of our knobs and and like say, oh, you're guilty. Take action. Either let me sell you this product or let me recruit you to my environmental my environmental program. To put it simply, this can lead to action and action can be an antidote if the action is has meaning for people right if it if it makes sense so if i'm taking action it makes my life feel significant if it gives people a purpose like the listener if it gives you a purpose if if you feel like your your suffering makes sense because you're channeling your suffering into something useful and it makes sense 
And in some reason, there's a reason for why you suffered because of your privilege. Your suffering helps you to take action and that makes you have a sense of purpose and it makes you feel significant. And yes, your action will make you feel better. But if you just, if, if someone is just thrust into action without understanding why they're doing it and what it means and whether they can do it or not, then you're just being manipulated yet again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it can be a tricky thing if you are trying to achieve uh, acceptance just by doing. Mm-hmm. This links with many, many teams in my background that work with religion, you know, that these dynamics are very often often dis- discussed. And, and sometimes also environmental communicators like George Marshall have taken a look towards religious communities and the ways in which these communities sometimes manage both to encounter people's feelings of guilt and shame and provide a sort of communal liberation from that, uh, often through some kind of promises to to do good in the future. So there's a kind of combination of so-called absolution and commitment uh, to trying to make a change. And I would also emphasize the structural dimension here. Sami Grover's book, which I just just got, is a very interesting one. There's another called Against Purity, Against Purity, uh, which is uh, highly important in reminding that we can't be completely pure, and if we try to do so, we end up in more 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 problems actually. So, so um, together with other people, recognizing that we are part of this system, uh, we shouldn't let others. Uh, say that we are hi- hypocrites or uh, we shouldn't let others demand that we would have to move outside societies to be able to criticize the society where we are living, but sort of accepting this implicatedness and this in- impurity in a way and still trusting that we can together make a difference. That would be sort of my take on this. Yeah, this is great. And, uh, you know, um, listeners, I, you know, you, you know, I, I learn a lot from my conversations with Panu, and I know Panu learned some things uh, too. And um, so, yeah, this idea of against purity, you know, this book, Living Ethically in Compromised Times, Alexis Shotwell. So, uh, you know, we're going to wrap up. You, you Panu brought in a very, at the very end a very important elephant in the room, which is religion <laughs> and spirituality. And of course, as someone who grew up in the Roman Catholic uh faith you know this guilt is entwined with many kinds of re- uh, religions uh in various ways so listeners can think about that's yet another angle on on guilt in general as a feeling how it plays into your spiritual or religious tradition but we talked about a bunch of things you know everything you wanted to know about eco guilt so i hope i hope this was helpful for people it is a feeling it is a normal feeling it's linked to other really healthy and positive feelings like caring and ethics and um and you know there's different levels of it the real mundane little levels that we have and then these really really heavy 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 levels and there's all the power structure at play so we need to kind of stand on our own two feet here and um yes our guilt can be fuel for action if it gives us meaning and gives us purpose uh and makes it makes helps things to make sense so a really good discussion yet again, Panu. I really appreciate it. Um, likewise, Thomas. Likewise. Uh, and I know you have a busy week, um, and you're preparing for um, a television appearance. Did you say, or a media appearance tomorrow? Your time? 
Yeah, in the Finnish, Finnish television, there's a discussion series about various ecological issues. So that's on the list tomorrow morning. Now it's evening in Helsinki and we have some nice autumn colors, Teruska in Finnish language, the word which means bright autumn colors. So so it's time to go outside for, for a walk in, in the evening. And I know you, Thomas, have the day ahead of you and various things things to do. So Yeah, I'm looking forward to do a, a conference event this, this weekend that's in person. Well, I'll be able to talk about these things with a large group of people. And it'll be nice to be off of Zoom and off of... Um, Uh, the, the screen and actually with people and here in the pacific northwest it's a rainy morning it's raining right now and it's that unique time of the year where we're used to it being dry here so i have my backyard is full of outdoor gear that we've been using like our wetsuits for going to the ocean that we're drying but now of course are all wet because it's raining and that's just the way it is in the in the pacific northwest in the fall um so the season's turning so we'll be in touch uh with more Listeners, thank you so much for your time. You can reach us at climatechangeandhappiness.com. You can send us messages um, and let us know how this these uh, uh, episodes are landing for you. And be aware of your all of your emotions. And you all take care. Mm, take care.